everyone doing? Good. You are feeling cold. All the ACs are on. I think I feel like the room is getting much better than last month. Do you agree? This one is not in the cool mode, so I'm just getting fan. All right. So um, for the month of August, um, our lead pastor, Ruben, gave me a break from preaching. Uh, so it's good to be back. It's been a month here. I, I am coming up here. So we, uh, I took one week break to go away from Lisbon with some friends. Um, so some of the friends were planning to go, and then I, I said, oh, I'll go with you too so we can be together. And then I found out it's, it's 14 people, so it's, it's like a summer camp, and I, I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, so we, on, on one of the days of the summer camp, we, we planned to go to see the sunset. Uh, so we packed our stuff, we got into the car, like three or four cars, we went there, we went to the beach, uh, and there was no sun because it was very cold. <coughs> So there was clouds all around, and, and you, can see the, you can see the chillness, and there is no uh, sun. So all, people are feeling a little bit down. So we started playing. We, uh, we were playing, is that volleyball? Yeah, we played that. And then I got bored. I said, OK, I'm going to walk into the water a little bit. And as I start walking in the water, the, the water starting pulling back. You see some areas of the uh, sea uh, are you can, you can walk barely here, and you can walk all the way in. So I started like, finding those spots, and I started walking in, and, and I realized I'm so far away from shore. And at this moment, the clouds started moving away, and then the sunset started coming up. And you can put in the picture there, and you can see a sunset. So we did see a sunset, and that was me all by myself, having my moment of contemplation, um, and let me tell you, I'm not big into these things. I'm not into sunset. I don't break asleep to go see. Uh, I still remember Ruben saying, uh, someone suggested, let's go see sunrise at 6 a.m. And he said, uh, I'll watch on YouTube. That's, I'm good with that. I have two girls. I'm not waking up at 6 on my vacation. So I'm not a big um, sunset guy. But at that moment, I have to be honest with you, I was so captivated by the beauty, I just stood there in awe of this amazing, glorious, majestic sunset. Um, and also, I know that while I'm looking at it, and it's, it's like passing away, it's going away. You enjoy it, but it's going away. So I couldn't fully capture that beauty because I, I feel like, oh no, it's going. While in my contemplative evening, I totally forgot I have 13 people behind me trying to get their Instagram shots and their couple pictures, all their things they're waiting and they're shouting at me, can you go to the left so we can take a picture? And uh, well, we are lucky enough, our friends are really good at Photoshop and, and they fix the picture here. So, uh, so I'm not in the picture anymore and, and they got their Instagram shot, I, I guess. Um, all this to say, we humans are so drawn to beauty. And we were singing this song that Yeshua, the most beautiful. And we can see the beauty in a person or in a nature or art or music. Something about beauty that gives you pleasure, right? That, that gives you a satisfaction, that gives you like joy. That you don't use the beauty to get something, but 
you just see the beauty just to enjoy it. You, you, you feel happy looking at it. So today, we are going to study the beauty of the Lord. All right? So let's open the scriptures to Psalm 27. And I'm going to ask Jade if you could come up and help us read Psalm 27 for us. Yes. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against, advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your ways, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Thank you, Jude. Um, the reason I, I asked to read the whole psalm is that to give you a full picture of what's happening. Uh, before we're going to talk about the beauty, I want to present the whole picture of what is happening in that psalm. So David is giving you a full context of the full reality of his situation. So in the Psalms, as you read, there is so many things going on. There is enemies around him. There is oppressors. And we are going to go one by one. And, and you have seen that in Psalms, Psalms never underplay. While it's talking about the beauty, it never underplays the reality of your situation. It never says uh, like a spiritual, new age spiritualism, like detach and just forget about it and just enjoy your life. It, it never talks about it that way. It, it, it never says detach. And a common moralistic view is that be good and, 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 and trust God and be good. And even some Christians hold that view. Just be good. Good things will happen. Oh, your life is in a mess. So it's probably something wrong. Something You did something. God is punishing. It's like karma. It's like coming back to you. But if you have lived long enough and if you read the scriptures, if you read the book of Job, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisdom literature gives you a full picture of life. Life is not black and white. It's not that you do good, everything good will happen. Bad, everything bad will happen. We see things 
swapped sometime. Good people get bad things, bad people get good things, and it, it goes like, whoa, what is happening? And, and King David describes a situation here of the reality of this broken world that covers various spectrum of difficulties that you and me can easily relate to it. So in the first passage, he says, when the wicked advance against me, and then though an army besiege me, though war break out against me, enemies who surround me. So King David, the next slide, the King David is he's facing a real danger here. He's worried about his physical health and safety. And it's not just an imaginary situation. He's literally worried about dying because these things are coming around him. And he understands the danger of evil. He understands the danger of his enemies. And he has real reasons to worry and to be overthrown and be killed as a king. And not only David talks about his physical suffering and pain, he also talks about an emotional side of it. He says in the next one, Though my father and mother forsake me, for false witnesses rise up against me. So I'm from a culture that is very family-centric. And, and, and I think Portuguese is, is also in that spectrum of, spectrum of a culture that is very family-oriented. And there are other cultures in the room that are very family-oriented as well. Um, compared to all of it, there's nothing in today that can compare to a, a culture that is more family-oriented than the ancient Near Eastern culture. The ancient Near Eastern culture, you don't survive outside the family. You, you need to have a family. You don't have a social system where you can survive just by yourself. No family, no parents, no children, just by yourself. You cannot survive. And that's why if you read in the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, God always says, take care of the orphans, take care of the widows, because they don't have a social system. They don't have a place where they get help or anything. You need your family to build your life. And David is saying, and he's talking about a scenario, and he's considering the pain of it. Though my father and mother forsake me. It, this is so heavy to hear for an audience from ancient Near East culture. Because for them, it means he did either they died, so now he's all by himself, no family, he's an orphan. Or it could be that even worse, they left him. They forsake him. Probably he did something really bad that they have to leave him out, kick him out of his family. And he's contemplating what an emotional pain these things will give in life. He can't build his family. He can't have relationships. He's all by himself. And adding to that, he's saying, for false witnesses rise up against me and bring accusations against him. And that is another painful thing. Now, imagine six people from this congregation goes to Reuben and say, I did something I never did. How hard is it for me to defend that? And, and someone falsely accusing is really painful for you. You start to think, why did, did they do that? Why did they want to hurt me? Why did they have to lie to me? Well, let's take a step back. It's getting a little bit heavy. Um, I'm not saying David is going through all this pain at a single moment. Okay? He's contemplating it. He's reflecting on it. He's saying, here is a various, sp this spectrum of evil, injustice, 
brokenness, pain, oppression, emotional pain, longings, waitings, anxiety, all these things are the reality of life, right? With joy and happiness, these all come as a package. And while contemplating all this package, I can write like a whole prayer request of how I need to pray. How I can, like, God, give me this, give me that, give me that, give me that, fix this for me. But David says, I'm going to ask one thing. After contemplating all this, he's saying, I'm going to ask one thing to God. And because of this one thing, he says, I have this unshakable confidence to say that I don't fear anything. My head will be exalted, not because the enemies are gone, when the enemies are surrounding me right now. I am confident that I will see the goodness of God because I ask God the one thing. Don't you want to know that one thing? If we have it, we don't have to worry what's around. It, it's painful. It's there. No one's denying the pain of life. But you, you, even when it's there, even they still exist, if you have that one thing, you will have an unshakable confidence. What is it? In verse 4, King David says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. We're going to break this down. I love this, this verse. The one thing here in Hebrew is, is not just, I just give one prayer request. We know David prays a lot. He have different prayer requests. Even in this Psalms, he prayed differently. The one thing here means the singleness of a purpose. The one thing here means that's the most important thing I need more than anything else. That's a thing I, I need right now above everything else. And what is he saying? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. House of the Lord, temple. There's a temple at the last word of this passage. He's, just to remember, he, the, the, the Solomon's temple is not built yet. Okay? He, he's, Solomon is the son of David. He's the one who first built the temple for God. King David time, there's only tabernacle. There's no temple. There's no house of the Lord. Okay, so when they say this house of the Lord and temple, he's talking about the tabernacle. He's not talking about the actual temple. And also think about it. David is a king. He's not a Levi. He's not a priest. So he, he can't go into inside the tabernacle and do sacrifices and all that. That is strictly for Levites. So what David is not saying here is, one thing I need that I want to be in the house of the Lord or let's say in, in today's terms, I want to go to church all the days of my life. He's not saying, I, I just want to go to church and be there for the church. He's not being superstitious. In Old Testament, the tabernacle is where the presence of God comes down amongst people. It's where the glory of God descends and God dwells among His people. So when He says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord, He's essentially saying, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. All day, every day, I want to just be with God, in front of God. 
So the point here is not so much about a location of where to go. It's more like who you want to be with in that location. And that's the one thing David seeks, to be in the presence of the Lord. Okay? What's next? What does he do in the presence of the Lord? Okay, you come there and, and, and you meet God. And what do you do there? And here David says, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. When you say something is beautiful, uh, I, I talked about the sunset. Uh, the sunset, it's, it feels bigger than me. It's, it, I was gazing at its beauty. I, 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 didn't, I couldn't take my eyes off of its majesty and glory. And I enjoyed that moment. So when you say something is beautiful, it gives you enjoyment. It gives you pleasure. When you're looking at an amazing artwork, when you're hearing your favorite piece of music, and you're watching a brilliant movie, or you go into a nature, like some people do, you say you're enjoying the beauty. You, you say, I, I love to watch it. And I, I love re-watching some movies. Um, I... I I feel a little bit down. I love Guardians of Galaxies, okay? I, okay, don't think I'm a kid. I, I just, that movie has a really good concept. It, it is, it, it's very uh, 12 plus, anyone can watch it. Uh, and and it's, it's really good. And I, I rewatch it multiple times because I, I, I feel it gives me joy. It, it's beautiful, right? So when you see something beautiful, you, you, you just perceive it. You see it and it gives you joy, right? And we need beauty in our lives. And humans, and um, if you know, uh, there is a theologian called N.T. Wright. He wrote big, big books. I never read them. But I read like a small book that he, he wrote uh, where he defends Christianity of why this faith makes the most sense compared to all other faiths in the world. And one of the things, the way he starts his argument, and one of the base arguments, he, he, I think he talks about justice, love, morality, and one of the things is beauty, is that humans are so perceived by beauty, you, you, it's so hard to argue in the presence of beauty, you feel transcendence. You feel away from your body. You, you, you know, I don't know how to explain. You, you, you are just there. You are just lost in yourself. And, and he was trying to unpack how, how there is a God. There has to be a God because there is beauty. And we seek it all over the place. We seek it in other humans. We seek it in job. We seek it in clothing. We seek it in personal looks. We have a huge industry for that. And we seek it in a beautiful house. Uh, and we never get satisfied. And, and it, it, the moment you have it, you want something more. You want something more beautiful. And then we start to abuse it or we start to chase for more and more beauty all the days of our life. And and spoiler alert for people who are beautiful in the room, uh, 10 years later, you will look like me again. You won't stay beautiful, okay? The beauty of the youth goes away. It, 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 that's how every beauty in the world is. And even a natural beauty like mountains, beaches, even in that presence, you feel you are, you are in awe. But it, it helps you distract you for a little bit, but you want more. You always think that, I, I want to go see another one. I want to go see another waterfalls. Or you, you, what I'm trying to say is you don't see the fullness of beauty anywhere that can satisfy you so deeply and profoundly 
and brings you joy that is so unending in your messy day of life, in your messy life, reality. But here David saw something about God that is so beautiful for him that gives him so much joy and pleasure like no other thing in the world can give him. Where he can say that when I have this one thing, I will lift my head up again. I will, even when the enemies are surround me, if I have this one thing where I can gaze upon the beauty of God. So when I say the beauty of God, is, is, it's not just another character of God. It's all the characters of God. God's faithfulness, God's love, God's kindness, God's uh, perfections. It's all beautiful. When you are profoundly satisfied with who God is, who the person of God is, then you can be confident. You can keep your heads up high even when your enemies surround us. And uh, we, we know, we, we all see God. And, and I, that's why you're here this morning. So I, I don't take it for granted. We, we are all here to see God and for different reasons. I want to ask this morning, do you see God just to have God? Do you want to be with God just because he's there and that's all you need? God, here we go. Help me get all these things. Is God your end goal and destination? Or is he more like the driver to take you all the places that you want to go? Because I'm telling you, all the places you want to go, God absolutely will take you. Every time you get there, you won't be fully satisfied. Maybe you can go to another spot. Oh, maybe I can get this. Maybe if I get married. Maybe if I have a child. If I buy a house. Because you forget who's driving it. He is the one that gives you the full beauty, full satisfaction, full pleasure. Psalm 16 says, even King David in another place says, You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church, there is fullness of joy in God. Not through the things that God may give you in your life. All the, your deepest longings and desires are satisfied in God. Are satisfied in the beauty of God. I always like this story. It just moves me every time. Alan Gardner. Alan Gardner. Uh, he's an English missionary in 1800s. So uh, at the time, he wants to go on a mission trip to spread the gospel, to tell about Jesus in South American continents. So uh, he, in those times, if you want to go from a continent to continent, you sell everything, you leave everything behind. It's like complete change of your career. You just don't fly back and go back. So he took a ship to South America with his team, but he never made it. Uh, he got caught in caught in the storms, and his ship was wrecked. And uh, in one of the islands, he, his ship was uh, landed. And there, he didn't get no help. He, didn't get, he couldn't contact anyone. So this whole team started dying one by one. And he's the last one to pass away. Um, and they found his journal afterward, where, and one of the last things he wrote is in Psalm 34. He was meditating on it, and he wrote, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And below that verse, he writes, 
I'm overwhelmed with the sense of goodness of God. Really? How's that possible? Like you, you are just dying literally out of hunger. How do you see the goodness of God? Where, where do you see it? You gave up everything for God. You went on a mission trip. You never succeeded in your trip. And you, you, you gave up your career, comfort, money, and that's what you get back? After all the things you did for God, this is what God repays you? Why was he not angry with God? Because he already had that one thing that he needed. The most important thing he needed. See, God wasn't useful to him. He wasn't using God to build a family life and career and comfort. God wasn't useful to him. God was beautiful to him. When he had God, he's like, that's enough. I, I can go through anything. Church, how do you want to see God today? Do you want to gaze upon his beauty and say, God, satisfy me with, with who you are? Or we always come with a request, which is not a bad thing, but is that what we do all the time? Well, if you're with me saying, and I, I was, when I was writing, I was very con convicted by this, this message. And I want to know, like, okay, how do I do this? I, I understand there's beauty. I understand there's pleasure. I understand there is satisfaction. I understand there is complete, my solution for life is right there in God. How do I see, seek the beauty of God? How do I gaze upon it? Well, the first thing I see, what David is doing is, he's praying. Right? You thought, I'm going to give you a secret recipe. There isn't a secret recipe. He's deliberately seeking God. See, in my sunset example that I gave in the beginning, that uh, sea or sunset wasn't close to our place. Uh, someone has to Google the best sunset spot here, and they found the spot, and we had to pack our cars, put the stuff, drive there, and be there, so it took deliberate effort to be in the presence of a beauty. How do you watch a movie? Or how do you enjoy a piece of music? You go there, or you download it in your phone, and you watch it. It takes deliberate effort to see something beautiful. And the first thing to seek the presence of God, it's a deliberate practice of disciplined prayer. And David is literally just sitting and praying and contemplating all the bad things of life and realities of life. And in, in the midst of all that, he's saying, I see the beauty of God, and that's the one thing I need. And I was talking to a friend the, the last week, and it was beautiful when we were praying, and, and, and he was sharing that. Um, Dina, I, I speak with my wife every day. I deliberately connect with her. I call her. I, I make sure she's doing okay. And we set up a time every day to talk to, to each other. But I don't think I'm doing that with God. See, it, it, and, and that's a great example. The way you connect with your spouse, your husband and wife, you, you deliberately seek them. Yes, you love them. Yes, they know you want to die for each other. But you deliberately seek their presence. You deliberately want to be with them. You hear from them, talk to them. And that's 
how the relationship with God grows. If you want to gaze upon His beauty, you have to go see Him. And it takes discipline. It takes time. And I'm pretty sure that won't happen on a 30-second. God, help this help today. Pray in Jesus' name. If you're doing that, keep doing that. Don't stop it. Like, it's, it's better than nothing. But you don't see, you don't be fully satisfied. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm honest. I do it someday. I want to pray, but I don't have time. I have to get going, and I'm, I, I woke up late. I just quickly pray and go. But that's not contemplating the beauty of God. That's asking something and keep on going. And, and the other word is like here, in, we saw that word, gaze upon the beauty. The, he could have used other words in Hebrew where it says see. He just see God. He's not seeing. He's just gazing. Gazing takes time. You just stand there and gaze. He's wondering. He's reflecting. And he's not taking his eyes off God. And when I think about the word gaze, uh, and, and it's, I was thinking about our, our society, our, our, where we live in, it's just unfortunate. To, in, in today's time, the currency of today is your attention. Whoever gets your attention gets more money. That's how social media works. That's how entertainment industry works. That's how advertisement industry works. Everything. They want to keep you because your attention is the most valuable thing there is. You don't have to pay money. You just have to keep looking at it. They can change you. They can impact you. They can make your decision towards what they want to make. And in this world that is craving for your attention, which is an endless spit, and man, the way the platforms trigger your attention is, is, is mainly through anger and hate and emotions. It's not just happy content all the time. You, or you won't stay. You get bored of happiness. You just need like oh, emotions. Get mad at this group of people. I hate that group of people. I hate this election. Last week I happened to, when we were having dinner, uh, lunch, and I happened to see one of my friend's phone, and he was showing his phone, and he was like, whoa, look at this. My phone has a screen time option. He got a new iPhone. So he clicked the screen time, and his social media, or uh, is it entertainment category or social media category, has 35 hours average last week in Instagram. And the worst part is it says, it's 10% down from the week before. <clears throat> I don't know if I should be happy. And he's proud. Like, hey, I'm doing better. Uh, yes, you are. Keep up. Hopefully he's down. That's like a full-time job. That's a 40-hour work week. And, and I mean, again, I'm just picking that one person. I, I know we can all fit that category in one way or the other. Everyone's craving for your attention. And, and you know who gets the last of your attention? If you have time left, if is God, because you don't have time. And even when you do have time, you just hurry up and go to the next one. But what do you What do you do when you see a beauty? With let's say about your spouse, she's she's beautiful one day. What do you do? You break out in praise. You, you, you adore them. It's like, whoa, that's amazing. Or you watch an amazing movie, and I, I love good screenplays. I'm like, oh, look at that camera guy. He's just probably inside the car now because I can see the shot moving. And you admire them, and you tell other people, like, come look. It's so amazing. And that's when beauty captivates you. 
you break out in joy and praise and adoration and appreciation. Does your time with God look like that? Because my time with God is more like request and a lot of confessions and make me better, God. And that's important aspects of prayer. All these are important, but adoration should be there. Praise and appreciation of God should be there in your prayer. And, and, and don't be discouraged when you're hearing the sermon, okay, let's put it into practice. And when you try and you see, like, I don't feel anything. But have you considered how the Father's heart would feel when you just go and seek Him deliberately every day? And express your love to God? Can we just start seek God for the sake of God, not to feel good about yourself, but okay, I prayed today, I feel better, I got something from God. Can you just seek God for God? And trust me, and this is like a promise in, in James, it says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to him. And the problem is you don't draw near to God, and we don't do that sometimes. And when we don't do that, it, God can't push his, his way out, way in. And, and this brings me to the second point. You, you First, you seek God deliberately. You have to put a discipline of prayer and contemplation and reflection and adoration of God, of what He's done in your life and who He is. And the second thing, you need to do it yourself. See, this psalm is not a communal prayer. Yes, it's good that we have together praying as a church and, and someone's leading you in a prayer. But this is a personal prayer of Psalm. And the whole passage here, it says, it doesn't say we, it says I. I seek God. One thing I ask, I will wait on the Lord. My head will lift up. Go and ask God wholeheartedly to show His beauty to you. I can stand here and talk all day about the beauty of God. Let's give an example. I can give stand here and talk all day about how taste honey is. Okay? I can give you the color. I can give you the physical characteristics. I can give you the chemical composition. I can give you, tell you how the honey is prepared, how amazing it is. You will believe me, and you, uh, you will believe me, you will trust me, but it will never be the same as you tasting the honey and know what I'm talking about. Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to experience it. You can hear intellect is very good, very important, but you can't stop there. You have to see God yourself. Well, Dina, cool, but, but I never prayed before. I don't know how to pray. I, I don't know how to start. And I, and I hear the Nigerians pray. They just drop Bible verses left and right. I'm telling you, they are very good if you hear them pray. Have, have Mary pray for you one day. You feel like so energized. And, and I hear a lot of people use that kind of an excuse that I don't know how to pray like those people, so I, I'm just going to sit back and just attend church. It's not my thing. Prayer is not my thing. I, I'm just going to attend church. Well, let me give you an example. I was, while I was preparing this sermon uh, last, this week, and I wasn't asking my father any, 
uh, anything. And but my father randomly sent me this picture um, f- on September first. Uh, it says September one, and it's the year is 1987. So that's his prayer journal from uh, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. So he was barely a new Christian. I put it out there because I know you can't read this. So I'm very confident. I don't have to ask my dad if I can show you. I see no one from my language. Yes. Okay. So he writes this and he, um, he sends me this. He says, oh, on se- this happened to me on September 1st. Just want to share with you. And then I was reading this. So this was when he just become a Christian. He and, and our family is from a very re- Hindu religious background. So he just converted to Christianity. He didn't tell his family yet. He's scared. He's, he, he's going to be rejected and he knows that. And here he is writing some, uh, his journal. It says, it's 4.45 a.m. I'm here to talk with God, my father. Can you come down and speak with me? I've heard you speak to people directly. Uh, can you also speak with me? And then the later on, the, the journal is very silly for me at least, like the way it's written. And then later on, there's a conversation between him and God. They were, you know, they were convert. And I was reading this in awe. I'm like, what is happening? But also with my lens of intellect, I go like, ah, I, don't, I wouldn't pray that way. You could have used a different faith to pray. Because he's coming from a, a, a background of Hindu, and, and he, there's a way they pray. In, in, in their, they, it's all about very contemplation and meditation. And he kind of like used the same, the way he knows how to pray. And he prayed with God. And guess what? God spoke with him. And his life would change ever. And I'm standing here because of that. It's, it don't, what I'm trying to say is it don't have to be theologically sound prayer. It's the inclination of your heart that matters. If you want to see God, if you seek him with all your heart, all your soul, if you really want to gaze upon his beauty and be satisfied by him, you will be satisfied. You will be. There's no, like, if this prayer works, I guess any prayer should work. Not praying, counting him down. I'm, I'm just saying, like, he, you... This church has heard more theological sermons in the last six months than he probably heard at the time when he wrote it. He doesn't know all the truth. He doesn't know all the deep connections. All he knows is Jesus is God. I want to see him. I know he speaks with other people. I want to speak with him. So there's no set formulas. There's, it's not a, if I give you a set formula, if I say, like, these are three, four things, then you can see God then I'm putting God in a box. Then I'm making my experience as a template for you to do the same thing and like, hey, do this. The genie will come out of the box. God doesn't fit a template. Do you want this one thing to be in the presence of God and gaze upon his beauty? You seek him deliberately. You seek him every day. You seek him with all your heart. You ask him, I want to see you. I want to experience you. Your experience will be completely different than the one next to you, or than me, or than even David. But you will be satisfied. And in this psalm, David also talks about the tabernacle. We talked about it. Uh, in tabernacle, the presence of God dwells. And there's also a tabernacle where sacrifices happen. 
and and David said, "I will, I will, I will bring my sacrifice." Sacrifices in those days it, it covers the sins of the people at that point, at the point of history of Israel, and that enabled God to dwell among them, which enabled David to behold the beauty of God. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ, the glorious God, who is full of grace and truth, he tabernacled. Uh, John says the word tabernacled, which means he become a tabernacle in this world to bring God's presence to you and me. Because you didn't seek deliberately, God. You didn't seek wholeheartedly. We all lack that. So he sought you. He came to you. This God of beauty and glory and majesty, he emptied himself. He humbled himself. In doing so, he deliberately seek you so you can personally experience his love for you. Not just your intellect, but by his actions. He could have just said, hey, I really, really love you. But he wants to show you. He wants to show how much he loves you. Prophet Isaiah says in chapter 53, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. For you and me, church, Jesus Christ set all his beauty, he set all his majesty aside so he can come seek you. He can come lay his life for you. But doing so, he saved you from your internal separation from God. Now the veil is torn. Now you have access to the Holy of Holies. And you can be in his presence all day, every day. More than David. Much, much more than David. To gaze on his beauty. And I'm going to invite the worship team. We're coming in hand here. And this is the beauty of the cross. And this is the beauty of Jesus Christ. And this is the beauty of the gospel. And if you keep your eyes on this gospel, if you keep your eyes on the cross, if you see how beautiful God sacrifices, not just his character, but what he did for you and me, and if you gaze upon this beauty of the person and the work of Jesus Christ, you can join with David finally. And you can say, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then, the war is coming. Even then, I am confident. My head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. And I remain confident of this. I will dwell in the land of the living, and I will see the goodness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this, this morning, God. God, what a beautiful name your name is. What a beautiful sacrifice you had at the cross for us. What a beautiful God you are. God, sometimes forgive us for 
forsaking all the other things to seeing the beauty and pleasure in a lot of other things apart from you or even using you God would you help us this morning to open our eyes to see your beauty would you help us this morning to contemplate how beautiful this gospel is how this one thing if i have this i don't need anything else nothing else matters if i have this one thing to be in the presence of god to gaze upon his beauty god help us this morning god god bring us back to you bring us back to the first love that we we just like captivated by you god we might we know you sometimes but we we don't seek you enough help us to get back there god it cost you your life to bring us back and we are not going back now we are not going back we are coming to you we are coming to you father show me your glory show me who you are fill us satisfy us all the longings and desires of our heart whatever happens in our life we are not shaken we have an unshakable confidence in you whatever surrounds me whatever my week looks like whatever my months looks like whatever waiting that is there but i know that i am not afraid because i have you help us to taste and see the goodness for ourselves this morning open our hearts we pray in Jesus name